Well, we're starting a new series today called Supernatural, and um, I'm really excited about this series. I'm, I'm actually, I was really as planning on this series actually being started in January, and uh, that was my plan. That wasn't God's plan, and um, and uh, He just kind of moved this up, and, uh, and so I'm really excited about it because I really just going to think it's going to set us forward um, into some things that He wants us to do. Uh, turn to Second Corinthians real quick in uh, chapter ten. Um, one of the things about supernatural is really you know seeing things a little differently. And a lot of times, who we are, we look only at our flesh, right? We only whatever we see, we think is real. But really, you know, the what's more real is what's in the spirit. The things that you do not see is actually more real than anything. And I'll show you that throughout in, in a few minutes in Scripture. But we need to be a people that are more spiritual than we are physical. Amen? See, when you became a believer, that means you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You gave Him your life. Um, he saved you. He made you new. He, what we call it, born again. So basically, your spirit man that's inside of you, that's the real you, became perfect at that moment. That you are a perfect person in your spirit man. But how many guys know that you, you aren't perfect in your flesh or in your mind? How many had that bad thought after you became a believer? Everyone raise your hand, please. And if the person next to you didn't raise their hand, raise it for them because they're lying. Or they just weren't listening one or the other. But anyway, oh, Kevin, you just finally raised your hand. I'm glad about that. Thank you. Um, but you didn't, you didn't say, in fact, you didn't even look any different. Your flesh didn't really change. But your, something inside of you changed. And that is your spirit man. You are spirit, soul. That's your soul is your mind, will, and emotion, and the body. And the great thing about it is, is your spirit man is what's supposed to rule you, not your flesh. How many guys got in trouble because your flesh ruled you, right? You saw that Twinkie on the counter. You know, that's not, that's your kids, Twinkie. That's for their lunch. And you ate it anyway, right? I'm actually confessing I actually did that. But anyway, um, they're not here. They don't, I haven't actually confessed it to them. They were just wanting it. I said, you don't need a Twinkie. Anyway, um... Have you had those? I'm I'm getting off. Anyway, the chocolate Twinkies are really good. But anyway, um, but, you know, if you're led by your flesh, that gets you in trouble. If you're led by your mind, what you think, that can get you in trouble. But if you're led by your spirit, man, that is what's supposed to rule you, rule your thoughts and rule your flesh. If we would only obey our spirit, man, because that is what's become perfect. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, that in verse 3 says, For we live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So it's basically telling us that the way we do things now is different. And as a believer that you and I are supposed to become more spiritual and look at things and do things differently than what we did before we were a believer, before we were Christian. And so this whole series on supernatural, we're going we're gonna to dig in to basically um, understanding what is supernatural in God. What is the supernatural God? I, I want us to step into this more. I want us to walk in the supernatural. Now, if you look up the supernatural in the dictionary, it basically means God coming on your flesh. 
It's coming on you. He's his super coming on your natural. And so I want God all over me. I want to see I want to see the things of God. I want to see what Webster describes supernatural are things that can be can only be done by a deity in the physical realm. And that deity is God. And so I want to see that happen in my life. I want to see some things work. So today we're going to talk about how to battle supernaturally. How to battle in your life. How many of you have ever had struggles in your life? Just raise your hand. How many has ever felt like that you're, you're going down and it just seems like it's hard. It's hard to live. I mean, there's just things that aren't working right. And, uh, and so we need to learn to battle those times. How do we battle? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 here, it says, For we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of, of, of the world. So first off, it tells us that there's a war going on. And I think this is where a lot of us as believers don't really understand because we are still trying to fight physically. So when there's a struggle or when there's something that doesn't go right or we're in just a trouble in some ways, we try to fight it physically. So we try to change it. And a lot of times when we try to fight physically and we try to change things on our own, we mess it up even more. How many's ever screwed up your life even more? And so, so the weapons that we fight with and the way we fight are not physical. And we as believers have to start to understand that, that we have to engage the situations in our life spiritually before we ever take a step physically. If we do it first spiritually, we're going to be led by the Lord. So there's a war going on, and we have to know that. We have to recognize that. And that we live in the world, but we don't fight like the world. But there also are different kinds of weapons that we use that are not worldly weapons like we used to. So here's a worldly weapon we use a lot when we get in trouble. It's called worry and fear. We use that a lot, don't we? We get afraid. We get worried. And, and, you know, we are led by our worries and our fears a lot of times. And so what leads us, worry and fear, will lead us to doing things that aren't of God and doing things that lead us in the wrong direction. And a lot of times, a lot of times in your life, you have this cycle go on that when something bad happens, you worry and you have fear and you fight physically and it calms it for a little bit, but then it comes back around again. It seems like this never-ending cycle that I'm never having victory. And so this is struggle that it just keeps on going on and we need to learn how to fight supernaturally. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me show you what, I'm saying, what's, what Paul says here in verse 10. He says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His power, mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's scheme. So he, he brings out who we're fighting against. The, the struggle, the pain, the hurt, the evil that we're fighting against isn't the person you're next to. Isn't the person behind you. Isn't a person somewhere else. It is the devil himself. And he says, he says we're to take your stand against the devil's schemes or strategies. That word schemes actually means a plan, but it's actually a lie. So it actually means a lying plan. And he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
But that's our fight. Now let, let me read it out of the Message Bible because it puts it a little bit different. And he says, and, and this wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws away. And I think that's a lot of times where we're at, is that we as believers don't understand the weapons that we have spiritually to fight. We think we understand physically, but we're, we don't even understand that. But we definitely don't understand the spiritual weapons because they're totally different than a physical weapon. And so here we are, we're struggling, and we continue to struggle, even though the Bible says we already have the victory. Why is that? Because we're ignorant. And I don't mean that as a, as a, you know, as a bad thing and putting you down. I mean it's exactly what it is. We just don't understand spiritual things. And we need to come in to understand that. So we can do as Paul says here, take a stand against everything that the devil throws your way. And he goes on, he says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon of God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, that's a shout of victory, by the way, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so no one falls behind or drops out. I just love that. It's an idea of the spiritual warfare that you you and I are waging right now. See, if we could see in the spirit, we would see that war. There is a war going on against you. If you are a believer, even if you're not a believer, the devil hates you. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And this is what you got to understand. What you see is not that's what's all there. And so you see your, your checkbook low, but there's something else there. You see that, man, people are talking bad about you, but there's something else there. You see that, man, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside of me. I'm, I've got, I, I need a healing in my body. But that's, you see that pain, but there is something else there that's going on. And we have to warfare in the spirit. See, there's a scheme of the enemy to take away from you accomplishing the will of God in your life, from the will of God being accomplished in your marriage. Listen, people who are married, your enemy is not the person that you sleep with every night. You can say amen to that. Your enemy is the devil. Now, the person you sleep with every night may do stupid things. But they're not the enemy. The enemy's the devil. And he has these schemes that he's coming up with to try to take you away from the plan and the purposes of God. So there's a battle that stops trying to stop the will of God in your life that's coming against your finances, coming against your family, coming against your church, coming against your, coming against your life, and we must recognize it and learn how to fight. And that's where a lot of times what's happening to us as believers is that we don't recognize that there is a war going on. We look at something else and we think, oh, that's the problem, but that's not the problem at all. It is a spiritual problem that we must wage war in the heavenlies. 
And we've got to learn, what are our tools? How do we fight in that? Instead of just allowing it to happen or trying to fix it ourselves. So here's a few points you've got to understand about this war. Number one, you're not alone in the battle. I want you to understand that. You are not alone. 2 Kings chapter 6 talks about Elisha. And his servant goes out and he looks out in the morning, sees all of these chariots and all these horses that are surrounding the city. And he says this, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? He was worried. I mean, all this, these, this army is coming against them. And so the prophet says this, don't be afraid because those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And I'm sure the servant thought, man, you're stupid. Because I'm going to tell you something. This is what the enemy is going to try to do to you. Because to operate spiritually more than physically, you're going to feel like you're stupid. Because it doesn't seem right to your flesh. It is a different way of living. It's a different understanding. And you've got to push through. And so Elisha said that there's more that is with us than that is with them. And then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opens the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Isn't that cool? That's you. All of heaven is for you. All of heaven and God himself. And guess, guess what? There is nothing greater than God is for you. Isn't that great? No matter what you're going through, God is for you. He is behind you. He will go in front of you. He is surrounding you. You don't have to worry at all. And you've got to realize that. You've got to realize that there's a battle going on, and you've got to realize that there is more for you than there are against you. And I'm not talking about people. I'm going to talk about the real, real thing that's going on in the heavenlies, the enemy. He has no place in your life. He has no power in your life. The second thing you've got to understand about this battle is that your prayers are far more powerful than you think. In Daniel chapter 10, uh, Daniel was fasting and praying, and he, he was praying and seeking for an answer. How many has ever prayed and sought for an answer, and, you know, and it hasn't come yet? Yeah, it's okay. You're not alone. And so it says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray. This is the angel talking to Daniel. He says, Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been made known in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people for the, in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So th- there was a struggle going on. There was a warfare going on. But when Daniel prayed, heaven heard and was activated. Now in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about angels and demons here. But when you pray the word of God, angels are dispatched. You have all of heaven is dispatched. To make that, when you're praying the will of God, all of heaven is dispatched to help you. All of heaven is coming 
to meet that need. All of heaven is coming to perform God's word. That's why God's word will not return void. Not because of you. Because he honors his word. And all of heaven backs up the word of God. Amen? When you start praying the word of God, all of heaven. We'll talk about that in a minute. In Psalms 103, verse 20, says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. The angels obey the word of God when it's prayed. You see that all through Scripture. I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But the angels obey the word of God when it's prayed. And the Bible says that at the end of Daniel's three weeks of fasting and praying, and he was praying for that answer from God, that the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said this in verse 12 of Daniel chapter 10. He says, I've come because of your words. Amen. Your prayers are more powerful than you know. When you pray the will of God, you pray the word of God over your life, and you battle that way, I tell you what, he hears it. And all of heaven is going to meet that word, whatever you prayed according to his word. See, prayer works, and most believers live in defeat because they don't understand that this is a war, and prayer actually works. I, heard, I saw someone say something on Facebook a number of months ago, and just, just saying, God, well, and this is a believer, believer, and I'll, I, I've done enough praying. Now I need to do some action. I'm thinking, no, you just continue to pray, and you're led by that. Your prayer is work. He goes on and says, I don't believe prayer works as much as people think. I'm thinking, wow, you need to get saved, buddy. Prayer works. Your prayers are powerful, and you've got to understand that. You've got to understand, because the devil's coming against you and I. You know, Paul says this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of his devices. Let me show you what the devil does. Number one, he binds the minds of the un- he blinds the minds of the unbeliever. He blinds the mind of the unbeliever. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We had um, a time in our church where we um we had people fill out, you know, these um, a form where they list people that they wanted to pray for to receive salvation. And on that list was a guy uh, of one of our, our people that um, they've been praying for for years. He grew up in a Christian home, but didn't want anything to do with God. Didn't want anything to do with God. And so um, they would talk with him, and he didn't, he didn't see no need. He says, listen, that's good for you, but that's, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. You know, one of the things, in order to be saved in order to become a believer, you need to understand that you need a Savior. And until you understand that, you're not going to do that. And so that's why the enemy, he blinds the minds of believers thinking that they don't need anything else. And so this person started to pray for this, this, this man who didn't live in the area but lived somewhere else and started to pray for him and says, God, Father, open his eyes to see that he needs you. All, all that they prayed. They prayed that for, I can't remember, for a month. I think we were doing this thing. And they prayed for a month that that person would be saved. Well, that person decides to come in town and visit them, their family. And uh, comes in town, and they're going to church. They're coming here to Cornerstone. And uh, they decide, hey, um, you, you want to come to church with us? And he said, yeah, I'll come. And so he comes to church. And they've been praying, God opened his eyes, and he gives his life lord that day because he began to see why he needed a savior 
see, the thing about it is your prayer works. And this is what the enemy tries to do. He tries to blind, blind the minds of unbelievers. And some of you have friends and family that aren't saved. And listen, I want you to start praying for them in a, in a greater way and watch God move in that. The other thing that the enemy does, he comes to steal. He steals God's word from your heart. Okay, why is that, that important? Because if you have God's word stolen from your heart, you can't have faith. You can't trust in it. Matthew 13, 19 says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So he steals the word. He blinds the minds of unbelievers, but he'll steal the word from even the believer's heart. You can actually go out of here today, and what we talk about can be stolen from your heart if it's not acted upon. That's why we give you those inserts every week. So you can write notes down, but also so you can ask questions later about it. It's so important. So you don't allow the enemy to come and steal because that's what he wants to do. And these are the enemy plan of attack. The third thing he plans to do, he sets traps to ensnare you. Second Timothy 2.26 says, and, they, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the traps of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so he tries to ensnare you. He tries to Put traps in your way, temptations in your way to stop you from moving along with the Lord. And he fights to stop you. First Thessalonians 2.18, Paul said this, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, and again and again, but Satan stopped us. He's trying to do everything in his power to stop you from moving and doing the plan of God. And the last thing, he plans to destroy you. First Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil. Now it doesn't say your enemy, your boss. Or your enemy, that person that you don't like right now. It says the devil is your enemy. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we are in a spiritual war. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you've done everything, to stand, stand firm. And he talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet being ready for the, uh, for that comes from the gospel of peace, that you take up the shield of faith, that you to extinguish all, all the fiery darts of the evil one, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, and you pray. See, there's a war going on. But you have to understand how to fight. So how do we fight? There's a statement that has been going around, and it's a, it's a very powerful statement. How do we fight? That it says that we fight not for victory, but from victory. Okay? What it means is, is that the battle's already been won. We already are victorious. So, but how do we do that? So I want to show you right now, at the beginning of this series, how to fight from victory. That we recognize there's something spiritual going on. In fact, everything that goes on is a spiritual first before it becomes physical. So what's happening to you, good or bad right now, is a spiritual issue. Everything is spiritual. And so how do we learn to fight? How do we fight from victory? How do we fight from a place that I'm already victorious. Because, you know, the Bible says that greater is he. 1 John 4, 4 
Because you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is greater, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So you already have the greatness of God inside of you himself, inside of you. So how do we fight from that place of victory? How do, we, how do we understand how to battle right now, not to obtain victory? Because remember what it said at the beginning, that we don't fight as the world fights. How does the world fight? It fights to obtain victory, right? And it fights dirty, doesn't it? But we don't have to fight that way. So let me show you how to fight. Turn to Psalm 23. I want, you to, I want to put this all in perspective about the devil and his ability and how we fight. And it comes out of Psalms 23. And I love Psalms 23. And you all know that verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And look at this. Then he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, when we see this scripture, and this is what we focus on all the time, we focus on the death. This is all we focus on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Number one, you've got to understand that it's only a shadow. You're not actually in the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk, it's a shadow. Some of you are so scared of shadows. You know, the only thing the devil can do is block the sun for a time to make you think you're in trouble and you're really not. See, to fight from victory is to really understand that you're already victorious. And so we look at the scripture in Psalms 23 and we focus on the shadow of the valley of, the da- of death. And we think we're in the valley, but that's not what it is. In fact, if you look at the whole scripture in context, it is talking about the presence of God that is with you, that is leading you. He says, he says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. The valley's over there. The death is over there. But I've been redeemed. That is not my life anymore. I don't live in death anymore. I'm alive. My spirit man is alive. That's a shadow. And the only thing the devil can do is... is to tell you, to help you think that that's a lie. And you believe the lie. That you think I'm walking through. No, it's just a shadow. And I'm going and I'm following the Lord. It's That's all it is. And so we focus on it. We read more much about the death than we do the presence of the Lord. We're in the presence of God. It is He that is leading us. You're not alone. He is there. And the devil comes in and tries to put a shadow over everything to make you think God's not there. It's a shadow. Just keep on walking. Just keep on following the Lord. And the only thing the enemy can do is try to block it. And then he goes on, he says, I will fear no evil. For you, who? God, are are what? With me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You see this right here? It's that it's, it's nothing. 
You don't walk as a believer in the shadow of death. You don't walk in the... It's just the shadow over you. That the devil trying to make you think that you're no good, that you're not able, that you're not competent, that you are messed up, your finances are gone. I mean, you're going through this struggle. Listen, you don't have to worry about it. Because why? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is with you. Your rod and your staff, they come from And then you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemy. What in the heck does that mean? This is how you fight right here. The Lord says that in the presence of your enemies, not away from them, he sets up a table. Right there, and what's on the table? The feast. He sets up a table in the midst of your enemies so you can feast. And they can watch you. Feast. It means that you don't have to focus on the enemy, on the shadow of the valley of death. That you don't focus on what's going on because there's a table that God has set for you in the presence of your enemies to commune with the Lord, to focus on Him. And what you do at this table is you feast. You begin to feast on the Word of God. You begin to feast in worship. You begin to feast in that relationship with the Lord, right in the presence, right in the middle of the battle, when it seems like the enemy is all around you. And when you begin to feast on the Word, and you begin to worship God and thank Him for who He is, that He is leading you, that you, have to, you don't have to fear in any way that He's going to lead you into those, 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 uh, those green pastures. He's going to lead you by the still waters. That He sets His table up so you can feast, so you can see that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And you can see that there is more for you than there is against you. And that I don't have to fight you know, I see people when they pray and, they, and they're, they're straining and thinking. And God, and almost like they're constipated when they're praying. And they're thinking, God, do something here. You don't have to do that. In fact, we think we have to get louder in our prayers and make it more spiritual. No. I mean, if you want to get loud, fine. I'm loud. I get loud in my prayers. But it doesn't make it more spiritual for someone who's just sitting down. Because you learn how to sit at the table and feast. And then you begin to see spiritually. You begin to see with the eyes of the Lord. Listen, I tell you what, if you're having marriage problems right now, stop focusing on your spouse. Stop focusing on the problems. Focus on God. And then you begin to see what God sees about your spouse. If you're having problems at your work, Focus on God. He set up the table. Just go to it and start eating. Get into the Word where you can gain faith and get into worship and start worshiping Him and thanking Him. You set up the table that He's made for you. This is your place. This is your position as a believer that you worship is your warfare. Your feasting on the word is the weapons of our battle in the presence of God. God hasn't left you. You know what he's doing? He's eating with you. He's hanging out with you and just watching and just, man, I just prepared this meal. for You know, I love to cook. 
I love to cook. And I love for people to eat my food. And I really love it when they like it. I mean, I really do. And they, and they start saying, this is so good. This is so good. My wife does that anyway because she doesn't like to cook, so she wants me to continue. But anyway, I don't know if she really likes it as much. But, but I love it when people say that. And this is really good. God loves that too. He's prepared a feast. And that feast is your weapon. And if you think you have to go out and make things happen, no, you better eat first and then see it in the spirit and then do what you see in the spirit realm. Amen? And start walking that way and start doing those things. Because you know what? You've screwed things up enough. You just need to get after what? You know what it is? It's losing control. Saying, God, okay, you set up this feast for me. I'm going to release control. I'm going to sit at your table and look at Jesus. And I'm going to, I'm going to eat from the word. And I'm going to worship you. You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17 says, You shall not need to fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand still, and see the deliverance of the Lord. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord is with you. Psalms 23, 1 through 6 says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, there's supernatural. There's a battle going on. And we need to tap into that supernatural power of God. And begin to feast. And that shadow... That's over you. Don't worry about it. It's all a lie. It's not true. Just keep on walking with the Lord and eating at his table. You'll have, you don't have to fear. That is fighting from victory. When you're fighting to obtain victory, guess what? You're trying to find something yourself that God doesn't even have for you. And you're trying to make something happen that's not even close to the greatness of God, what God has. But when you sit at the table of God, it's already prepared. It's already there. And that you learn to trust and to see it. Amen? You know, as we go along in this series of supernatural, I'm believing for supernatural things to happen. Amen? I get a word for... Um, in the fall, I always pray and ask the Lord, what's to come in the next year? And um, I, um, I, I just kept on getting this word. I went on a prayer retreat this last September. And, and, uh, and the word believe kept on coming up in my mind. Word believe. And so, um, you know, I knew I'm doing the supernatural series. I knew this was going to be the first part of it. And I really believe that that because even of us learning how to fight, learning how to, to see supernaturally and, and walk in the supernatural, that you're going to see things that are going to come to pass that you haven't you've been praying for, that you haven't seen yet. You're going to see such a freedom in your life that you haven't seen yet. In fact, in 2017, that we're going to believe for greater things and see them happen. That's the word the Lord gave me in 2017. How many guys want that? Amen? No, no matter who's president, by the way, it's going to happen. Amen? 
I will talk about that in Supernatural. God's going to do something great, amen? And as we learn to feast in that, when I was a youth pastor, I, we would, um, you know, we'd pray and, you know, for all the, our youth meetings and someone, we'd have three people who count it and they would bring me the count of how many kids there. And, and a lot of times in our, um, in our meetings, we, we were believing God to see so many people saved, so many people um, start coming and, and everything. And so um, they would hand me the uh, uh, thing and so one week, man, it would be, be hundreds and hundreds of people. But the next week, for some reason, we'd have 100, 100 and some people less. And so they'd bring me that, and I'd say, no, in the name of Jesus, you know, we're not going to have that. And i just begin to pray, because I knew what the Lord wants. The Lord wants people saved. He wants people healed, delivered, and set free. And guess what? He uses you and I to do it, to work through us. And so I believe as we start moving forward in this, we're not going to take what we see as true anymore, and we're going to start believing for greater things. Amen? And we're not going to be satisfied with what we see because we're going to start seeing spiritually, and we're going to know what is true. And that's what we're going to ha- grasp because when we start believing that way and we start fighting that way, we're going to take what's in the Spirit and it's going to start coming in the natural. Amen? How many guys want to see that? Amen? And so we're going to step out more in faith. So... This week, I was praying. I want you to this last scripture, and we're going to pray. Um, Lord gave me a scripture for you. It's a word um, from Jeremiah chapter 32, 27. Write it down, and this is for you, okay? This has everything. This will be kind of our even more pushing off into this. And um, some of you have been praying for things to happen and just not seeing that prayer answered. You know it's the will of God. You know it's the word of God, but it's just not happening yet. Some of you have some really, you have some obstacles ahead of you. And you're worried. In fact, maybe scared. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's with your relationships, with your businesses, job, whatever, health. Um, But this word is for you. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? (laughs) Isn't that good? Is there anything too hard for me? Amen. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. I want the Lord to minister to you right now. Is there anything too hard for God? What I want you to do, I want you to pray, and I want you to ask the Lord. Lord, show me spiritually what you want to do in my life and through my life. So I want want you to get a vision right now from the Lord. And I want you to ask Him to show you something greater right now. What is he having you do? What's going on in your life? What are the plans and the pursuits that he's calling you to? Ask the Lord right now. God, show me something more.